Hello and welcome to another episode of That's So Gallifrey. I'm Marcus. And I'm Simon. And together we are the Geeky Gays. Yeah, we've got loads to cover this week. We're going to start off with a little bit of Doctor Who news from New Who, which is all kicking off again this week. And then we're going to go into our main classic episode that we watched, which was The Keys of Marinus. Mm, so what is the podcast all about, in case you've just tuned in for the first time? Well, I have never seen Classic Who. Uh, I became a fan of Doctor Who when it came back in 2005. I had known of the Daleks, I had known of Tom, Tom mm. Baker's Doctor, probably that was about it. Uh, not much else. Uh, but Simon has watched bits and bobs of the classics, yeah. so we decided to start from the beginning and watch it from the start. So uh, last uh, time we... What did we watch again? The Edge of Destruction. The Edge of Destruction. And then we talked, and then about, we Marco talked about Marco Polo, Polo which we yeah. couldn't watch. Uh, but uh, we're going to get into The Keys of Marinus shortly. But first, very exciting uh, filming going on. For the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. Yeah, so there was the whole stuff last week on Axminster Road in Cardiff where we had to do our very own special episode about it. Um, the beep is beep the meep. Yeah, so it seems to be all but confirmed now about beep, strangely enough, because there was a, a report in the paper saying that Russell T Davies is leaning very heavily on the comics, the novels and the audio stories in his inspiration so far. Mm. So that could hint that it is true. And... The Wrath Warriors are definitely the Wrath Warriors because they look identical with the shining eyes, the big, like, claw arms. Everything about them, they are the Wrath Warriors that we've seen on the street. Yeah, I've seen some of the footage of them walking down with their, like, stilts on. Mm. Um, they were really creepy. And, again, I love a good practical uh, practical effect and yeah, practical look, characters. They and they just the ti- one of them did the tiniest little head look, like, almost as if it was looking to its comrade. Just this tiny little, in, like, very insect-like tilt. Mm. Like, no real ne- bend, neck bend. It's just a full-on, whoop, whoop, back again. So it just looks so good. So uh, that's the first part. Yeah. Now, obviously, you'll have seen, officially announced by Doctor Who on social media, that uh, we're getting uh, the return of, well, we think the return of a villain from the classics. Uh, RTD has had them described as the greatest villain the Doctor has ever faced. And it is Neil Patrick Harris as who we think is going to be the Toymaker. Yeah, so the Celestial Toymaker has only ever appeared in Classic Who once. I think only one episode remains of that classic story. And it's crazy. Like, I think they, they were going to be in season 23, like the lost season 23, before it got put on hiatus and season 23 then became the Trial of the Time Lord. So the Nightmare Fair could potentially be given a little bit of inspiration. But I'm not sure because that was set in 1985. And this one looks like it's going to be set in Victorian times because there was some filming taking place, I think it's 15th of June, and it's going to be going on all day in Bristol. And the shop is called Mr. Emporium's, and it's a toy shop. So, again, linking to our mm. thoughts on Neil Patrick Harris playing the Celestial Toymaker. The, the, the costume gave me Geppetto vibes. Yeah. That kind of, in my toy workshop, old-fashioned toys. Yeah. Which made it feel more... And obviously there was some controversy with the character of the toy maker. Yeah, he needed Back an update. At the time, he needed a refresh for a modern audience. And I think this feels like a really cool way to do it. So exciting. So, uh, yeah. Um, another bit I've seen, actually, is some uh, stalls that had been put up uh, mm. on the street. People are thinking it might be a continuation of what they filmed in Camden Street and obviously filmed in two different locations. Ah, uh, uh, And there was like, uh, you know, like market stalls on the street where mm. you buy fruit and veg. One of them had an had all the old 
what you'd expect to find in Mr. Emporiums, but he's on he's selling on a market stall. Maybe. Um, or somebody's acquired them from the shop and they're selling them secondhand. Uh, and that might be a way for them to circulate the evil the technology evil or whatever or it is. Yeah. Anyway, we can only suggest we can't. Yeah, confirm. it's only speculation, but we'll we'll find out soon enough. Apparently, possibly, allegedly, potentially. Mm-hmm. Say. So let's get into uh, the keys of Marinus. Uh, I have to say before we go on, my favourite to date. Yeah, I really enjoyed so this one. It felt very new. Who, uh, as in there was the pacing was a lot better. Yes, okay, it was over. Five, five, six, six. But it went quite fast. Went quite quick. Had your attention. There was a lot of movement that you weren't stuck in one single place for the whole Mm. of the episode. Um, But we'll talk about it bit by bit. So we're going to start off with episode one, which was titled The Sea of Death. Yeah, so it starts off with a little opening shot of a pyramid on an island. And it looked really good for like the time with the model. And then it's another Terry Nation story as well. So we were expecting a lot from it. Then it kind of zooms into this little island and the TARDIS appears. And it was just a little, little toy. Of it the looked it so cute. good. I was really impressed with it. Yeah. And obviously we didn't get to watch Marco Polo, but it picks up pretty much straight after. Uh, and Ian and Susan have their costumes on that they would have worn those episodes. Uh, and they're excited because there's no radiation this time. They, they double check as well. And uh, there's a sea so they can enjoy the place. And it cuts away to see some uh, sort of phallic looking boots. Mm. See through spiky things. Spiky, spiky uh, phallic, phallic objects. objects <laughs> landing up on the Ooh, beach. Uh. Uh, and one seems to get a bit stuck. And we wondered if it was just the string getting caught because obviously they were pulling them along. But it makes sense when you get a bit further into this episode. That Could it was, be us reading it was a lot having into some it, though. struggles. It kind of worked quite well. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, we, we got the, the gang and uh, the doctor warns Susan that they can't go in the sea because they don't know what's in it. And uh, meanwhile, we have some spooky rubber men a la um, American Horror Story. <laughs> With funny heads. Yeah, like insect style heads. It's why people thought the Kasavin in Jodie's first, like Jodie's second season, season 12, in the opening Spyfall episode, they thought that the um, Kasavin were going to be the Vord. Just the shape of the head. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're sneaking around the beach uh, on the shore. Uh, Ian finds some glass on the beach. So it's a glass beach instead of a sa- of sand. And uh, Susan finds a lovely pool and she's going to dip her toes in, but Ian stops her just in time, but her shoe falls in and absolutely melts. Mm. Uh, so her feet were saved. So Ian gives Susan his boots instead so she doesn't cut her feet open on the glass because he's lovely. Yeah. He's so I cute, the, the, the acid water, I wouldn't be surprised if the British coastlines were like that soon. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Political. <laughs> but then Barbara realises that this little pool was a tidal pool and the tide's going to come in. And obviously it's an entire sea of acid. Dum, dum, dum. So while they're busy, it's... Uh, creepy rubber man tries to get in the TARDIS and then walks away as Susan returns to get more shoes. <laughs> and the doctor turns around at this point and he says, if you had your shoes on my boy, you could have lent her hers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Obviously he meant to say lend her yours. Yeah. Um, which had already happened, but you could tell that it completely tickles uh, William Russell and Jacqueline Hill. Um, they just start, <laughs> they laughing. just start <laughs> laughing really out of character. <laughs> and he's, the doctor's just like, hmm? Hartnell's just like, hmm, hmm, yes, hmm. Um, but I yeah, they, they find the boots uh, and uh, they see that it's a one-man submarine uh, that obviously was made to withstand the acid and they come across one of the um, ones, which is the one we think got was getting stuck purposely because uh, the, the, it was a problem with the, uh, the diver inside because mm. uh, they find inside literally just the suit. 
with a slight hole in and nothing inside. So obviously the acid got inside the suit and killed whatever was inside. Lovely. Yeah. So meanwhile, Susan has found flipper footprints and calls the doctor, but ends up walking off because he doesn't answer her. And then a rubber man climbs out from behind a rock and follows Susan off. So while she's exploring, this rubber man's going to get her and he's just like stalking her and being a bit weird. Um, then obviously the doctor and the others realise that Susan might be in danger and they go to follow her and find out what she's up to and the man is about to kill Susan with its knife and he's got it held high but the wall spins round and he falls <laughs> into the trap. But the funny thing is you can see the group just stood there like, whoops, we're being caught. <laughs> yeah, it looked like there was some crew in the background of one of the spins and you're like, they, have, they haven't planned that one very right. But I suppose it's you just limited see that space. person's face going, oh! Yeah. <laughs> so funny um there's another bit uh we can't basically we'll get ahead quickly jump ahead what happens is they decide to split up by uh brian where did brian come from no idea um, ian ian maybe <laughs> yeah and barbara that's where it came from i mixed the two together yes that'll be it <laughs> barbara and ian uh, and the doctor split up the doctor goes off one way and the other two on the other direction uh, and they all eventually except for uh barbara i think is left out no Who's the last one left outside? The doctor. No, the doctor goes in. There's one of them. Oh, yeah, it'd be Barbara and Ian. Yeah, I, together. I thought they ended up splitting up again. Yes, they are, because Ian ends up by himself. Yeah. And everybody else is captured, yes. So, uh, yeah, there's the point where the doctor, he falls in through one of these traps, and he's gone off street, and then somebody, either cast or crew, on the right-hand side of the screen, the doctor's just exit on the left, this foot just comes into shot just before they cut to the next uh, the next camera angle. Like, what's going on? <laughs> so funny. Um, but yeah, it's a very simple set, but it worked quite well. Mm. It gave that whole depth that they've created with the, the perspective and the It was like the Dalek the City. Like, it's got the paintedness, but mm. it, it really works. Uh, so Susan's wandering this corridor looking lost, and um, she falls through a wall as well. <laughs> like, everyone's just falling through these walls. Yeah, so they've all gone, eventually all get through the, the walls. Uh, inside, Susan is in a corridor. There's a scary white figure appearing, wandering around in like this cloak. And um, she goes, she heads, goes to walk off. She's all by herself. She walks into a statue, but she thinks it's a statue. Turns out to be one of the, the rubber men. Uh, and he's got a knife in his back somehow. I don't know how that happened. Somehow he got stabbed in the back. Oh, no, because the person in the white robe, I think, attacks mm. and saves him. Um, so jump ahead. Susan, Barbara and the doctor are locked in a cell. And uh, Ian isn't. He's came through a different different door. Uh, and he saves a monk from one of the creepy people. And uh, it falls through the trap door and into the acid. There's just a tiny little figure <laughs> just goes, so ah! random. <laughs> um, and the, the monk eventually, obviously, because he's helped by Ian, uh, will let them all out and takes them to what's called the conscious, conscious? Conscious. Yeah, so conscious, conscience. Mm -hmm. Conscience of Marinus. And it's consciousness, that's what threw me off. Uh, which is a device that essentially controls the population, kind of keeps them under control. Yeah, so they've found a way to, I think it was Yartak? Yeah, that's the monk guy. We find out his name's Yartak. No, 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 Yartak was the leader of the Vords. What? Um, the other, the monk is, I've forgotten his name, but we meant, is it Arbitan? Oh, yes, Arbitan, sorry, So yes. Yartak, I think, was the leader of the Vords, who yes, has found right. a way to overpower the machine, and he and his people want to take it over, because I think it stopped people from being 
bad like it it just sent out this signal that made everybody good yeah Yeah. and they wanted to overthrow it so ian says why didn't you destroy the machine and then the monk says that instead they removed five key micro circuits it it it, the game felt like a side quest it did it literally felt like it was like a side quest rather than just doing the easy thing the the quick and easy thing it was like ah no we couldn't possibly do that instead we took five keys out of the machine and just hit them across the place it's like that goes back to the dalek episode you know when they killed the dalek and they put three pieces of it across the world yeah it's like that Mm -hmm. so there's five micro circuit keys uh and they've got one of them he's got one just not in the machine and there's another four in different parts of the planet uh and they've got to go and uh and retrieve them yeah so by getting these, obviously, it would allow him to control the Vords again. Um, and then back on the beach, Barbara's talking about feeling bad for leaving him. So they obviously weren't really going to help him. <laughs> yeah, it just jumps just back like, to them. like He's like, oh, please, will you do this? Will you help? And then it just jumps to them on the beach, like, like ready to leave, finish their, <laughs> their mission. And they're like, ah, we weren't going to help him. Yeah, uh, can't be bothered with that. It sounds a bit, sounds a bit like it's going to take too long. Yeah, so they, they go to leave, <laughs> but they can't. Because the TARDIS has an invisible shield around it. Dum, dum, dum. Yeah, so they, they literally can't get in. The monk's blackmailing them. So they have to collect the keys of Marinus or they have to stay on the island without food or water. He basically does like the voice of God. He's like, you, he's like uh, no, you can't get in. He's like, what? Where are you? Because that does not matter. <laughs> <laughs> they literally go back in and the doctor is fuming. He's like, blackmail, hmm? Blackmail, hmm? So he doesn't want to travel in the submarines on the beach, quite understandably. And then the monk gives them this bracelet that will allow them to teleport. Mm. So Barbara presses the button on the bracelet first and pop. Literally like that. She disappears. And then the others follow. And after they leave, the monk, I'm sure it's Arbitan, stands by the machine and a Vord sneaks up. And you guessed it. He gets stabbed. Don't, don't, don't. Bless him. Uh, so then we cut to a new location, which is just the end of the episode. Uh, and Dr. Ian and Susan appear, finding Barbara's bracelet on the floor. And there's blood on it. <gasps> and Ian looks up in extremely theatrical concern. And there, uh, that's the end of episode one. <laughs> so I, I genuinely did enjoy it, though. Yeah, it was good. Uh, it, again, it, it just the pacing of the whole thing, as we'll, we'll get into it as we go on. Which was really nice, and there was mm. a lot of like stuff going on in different locations, and it made it feel a bit more energized. I think to the when we watched the Edge of Destruction, it was like, oh my god, this yeah. is all this And I didn't even know what was going on in that last one. Anyway, episode two is called the Velvet Web, and it starts with obviously the end of the last one where they find the bracelet and it's covered in blood. The bracelet act a little bit like vortex manipulators. Yeah, uh, and the doctor surmises that Barbara has been taken by the people behind the door that they just happened to appear in front of. Um, and Ian's a little bit unsure but they open the door and they're blinded by the light I would have done a bit of Manfred Mann there blinded by the light yeah like that thanks just like that yeah just like that Uh, and uh, finally the the light settles down and we're in this sort of gorgeous Greco-Roman sort of inspired room very different sort of setting to the where we've just been uh, in, in the big pyramid kind of thing um, and Barbara's just there lying on a chaise longue, uh, having grapes fed to her by these beautiful women. She's just women. living a life, isn't she? She's like, yes, I'm a queen and I know it. And yeah, she's dressed the part. She looks like she's been there for 
months. Uh-huh. <laughs> like it's almost like, oh, you finally managed to arrive. Um, but yeah, she she uh, yeah she um, said she freaked out during the teleportation, tried to rip off a, bra- a bracelet, and kind of ended up here. She just scratched herself by accident. A little bit of a scratch, and ended up here where <laughs> she was taken in by these these people. Yeah. So it's, it's so random. Um, but yeah, the, the woman returns with more plates of gorgeous food and the doctor is very pleased to see some truffles. Truffles? Hmm? <laughs> then Ian jokes about not knowing the menu or the price and seems reluctant to eat and he's like, this is where we pay the bills. Yeah, he's a little bit <laughs> he's apprehensive. Really There's too much, too too good to be true, mm. I suppose. Uh, so somebody enters who we learn uh, later is called Altos. Um, is this the spooky twink this is with you, his legs you dubbed out? Him spooky twink, uh, really, really cute guy um, with his legs and practically wearing just underpants in the bottom half. <laughs> that's, that's all he was wearing. Um, and he comes in and uh, asks uh, Barbara if there's anything that she wants. She says that all she really wants to know at the moment is to know more about the, the place that they're in. Uh, and Altos explains that this place is called Morphaton, and it's a place where everyone can have everything that they desire. Yep. So Susan wants a beautiful dress and she gets it. Yeah, she gets it the next morning, but she still gets mm-hmm. it. The doctor tests him by saying that he wants a lab with everything in it. And of course, he says, oh, it'll be ready by the morning. And then Ian's doubtful as usual, which is good on you, Ian. You're spotting <laughs> things that are wrong. And then obviously the guy leaves him for a night and Susan just passes out yeah, straight away. Like, I'm tired. Oh. <laughs> she's just so extreme is susan i, I don't I know whether she, love she her. just i don't know i don't want to speak ill of caroline ford in any way i do feel bad for caroline i think though. her direction was bad i think her yeah. scripting the the character was terrible we, we like we've said before we cannot stand susan it's what we would actually leave. enjoy this the most of the episodes you don't even need susan a little bit mm. later on in this one she's kind of key but it could have easily been barbara sitting in the seat yeah uh, i think Poor Caroline Ford ended up leaving because she wasn't happy with the way she was being written, and it really does show. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of don't blame her because they did just have her there to scream. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so, yeah, Susan's asleep. Uh, Ian just doesn't trust what's going on, uh, and he noticed, well, he says that Altos didn't even blink. Yeah. And uh, everyone falls asleep, uh, but they're being watched by a scary picture. It was creepy as his big <laughs> eyes. Like, you know when you see it on a TV show and it normally looks creepy, but it looks... Like All real. Right. This was freaky. Yeah, it was just completely out of character yeah. for it, wasn't it? And when they're all asleep, this woman comes out from one of the walls and sticks a little stone on each of their heads. Uh, and a sinister soundtrack plays. And it almost sounds a little bit like breathing. Uh, and It would be at home in Silent Hill, that kind of yeah. music. <laughs> it was like... <sighs> a bit like a... A bit like Darth Camp Vader. Darth Vader. Yeah. Um... So the woman just puts the stone on Barbara's head, but Barbara moves in her sleep and it doesn't have time to secure, so it falls off. Uh, and uh, she kind of wakes up and realises something's wrong. There's flashing lights and horrible beeping noises. Um, and she kind of faints again until the morning. Mm-hmm. Well, she's flat out in the morning for a good while. Yeah, because in the morning, everyone else is awake and admiring the glasses and the food while Barbara's still asleep. And Susan um, gets her dress. 
Yep. And the Doctor and Ian notice that they both have sore foreheads. Or oh, foreheads. 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 Yeah. But rather sore forehead. Yes, I was going to say the same. Hmm? Hmm? My hmm? forehead. Yes. Um, so Susan eventually wakes Barbara up to show her the dress because she's absolutely buzzing about it. And then from Barbara's perspective, we see the gang and the place just looks spooky and wrong. Like there's filthy mugs instead of glasses. Yeah. It's not what it first seemed. The dress is rags, but only Barbara can see it. It's like an angel. When he gets Jasmine's, when you get Jasmine's blood on you, because Jasmine sets herself up as a goddess. And then if you get her blood, you can see the truth. It's a little bit like that. Mm. So, yeah, something's, something's not right. Um, the uh, spooky twink, a.k.a. Altos, comes back and Barbara's like, um, he knows it failed on me and they try to take her away. And she escapes from him. He tries to drag her away. Uh, it, it's another moment for Barbara to shine. Uh, yeah, she has to run and hide and find ways to save the others. Um, I think she's great. I think she's one of the best in the series. Is Jacqueline Hill as Barbara? Yeah, she's great. She was a really well-established actress to start mm. with, though. I think it shows. Yeah, uh, she takes a little moment to have a cry, and uh, Altos returns to the room with aliens in gla- uh, to a, a a room, not the room. Sorry, a different room in the the building with these like space slugs, like in- Gary from SpongeBob. Yeah, without, without the shell. Naked space snails. <laughs> and uh, they're in these like glass bell jars. Uh, and there's like these, this very odd voice on the top, which is the voice of the snails. And uh, it tells them that Barbara uh, escaped um, the mesmerizing, as they say. And Altos is ordered to find and kill her. Yeah, so then the girl who put the stuff on the foreheads walks into the room where Barbara hides and then she confronts her and then the girl says that Barbara must be punished and then she realises she's got another person to save. So the spooky twink then takes into an empty room with a wooden table and a mug. Um, This is where he takes Ian and the doctor, isn't it, to what he says is the lab and Mm -hmm. then we think the doctor's playing along. But uh, but now I've just remembered back to... the I didn't take it in at the time, the bit you said about the dress being all haggard and stuff. Yeah. So the room was literally nothing, but because of this mesmerising, yeah. they'll visualise the room as a uh-huh. whole thing. But I'm kind of wondering if the Doctor was still playing along with it, because you never really find out. Mm. But um, meanwhile, Barbara realises that the girl that she's kind of found that's been do- been like this slave there might be Arbitan's daughter, who's apparently gone missing. Mm. Then in the creature's room, they plot what they're going to do to the gang and... Yeah, it's really weird because the creatures are like pulsing and we don't really see their faces. So it's a really cool design. You get their eyes at one point. It shows you a a shot of one of their faces and it just looks, like you say, it looks like Gary from Spongebob without the shell. Uh, But they're just really creepy. Really good effects for the time. Weird voices and this just tiny little bit of movement made them seem alive. Anyway, uh, Altos, a.k.a. Spooky Twink, Comes in and finds Barbara, uh, but the girl helps fight him off because I think she's kind of her mesmerizing. We basically find out that they've all been mesmerized. Yeah. uh, And they're all going to, well, we'll we'll get to it. Um, So Barbara promises to come back for Sabitha and uh, runs away. And uh, she finds Ian, but he's completely under this mesmerizing control. And he, he goes, you're the one we're looking for. To Barbara and tries to uh, um, sort of arrest her and take her, and actually does takes her in to mm. see the the, the space snails, <laughs> the naked space snails. <laughs> and then Barbara, I can't remember what they were called. I've forgotten. But Barbara's like trying to talk sense to him and tell him about what's going on, but he can't see the truth at all. And then these creatures 
explain that the city exists because of their minds, but they, they need the humans to keep feeding them and helping them to mm. help create this place where they live. So they order Ian to kill Barbara and she fights back and smashes all the machinery and literally bludgeons them to death. <laughs> and we get some really good acting. Kill her. Kill her. These are the space the space looks dying. It's so extra. It's so extra. Someone give that person a BAFTA. That they were going for it. Or a Razzie. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, the creatures are dead. Uh, and with that the mesmerizing is over and everybody can see the truth. And uh, there's obviously a lot more people that we see in the cast and you hear them in the background as there's riots breaking out and people are realizing they've been like under this spell. Mm. And uh, the spooky twink, um, Altos, explains that he's been sent by Arbitan to find the keys with his friend, um, Iprim. And uh, the brain slugs had a key, so that's one. One one out of four. That's, that's good. And uh, then the group... Uh, all used the um, time, what time, dial. time dial again and uh, split up. And Susan goes alone, which seems like a really great idea for Susan, doesn't it? You know what she's like. And she ends up in this forest with the horrible, nasty, rusty TARDIS sound sort yeah, of thing. It just sounded like a really ill TARDIS. And then there's a, there's a close up on her face and you guessed it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> Typical Susan. Susan again. And uh, we then move on to episode three, which is called The Screaming Forest. I'm surprised it's not a screaming Susan. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, suddenly everyone arrives with Susan. So, thankfully, she isn't alone to scream again. Um, and she, she does, though. She cries and she falls into Barbara. Um, so, nobody else can hear the sounds in the forest, but Susan can. Um, what's she called? Sabitha. Mm-hmm. And... Not so spooky twink, because he's not, not so spooky. He's, he's sorted Altos. out now. Altos, that's it, are with them. And then Ian suggests walking around the walls to find an entrance to this place. And Susan stays with Barbara. So Babs wishes that Ian didn't treat them so fragile, but Susan likes how he looks after them. And then she says that she recognises the noise she heard, but it sounded a little bit like the TARDIS to mm. us, even though it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, some vines start moving on their own uh, and wrap themselves around Susan's al- ankles. And again, she screams <laughs> so loud you think she'd been murdered, not just slightly um, inconvenienced. inconvenienced by some vines. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, Barbara tries to keep her occupied, take her mind off being scared, and they start uh, moving the bushes and find a tunnel with a statue. Very nice one. Apart from it's got some really creepy arms, <laughs> which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, Barbara goes in and Susan keeps shouting uh, at her, but she's ignored. And the statue at the end of the tunnel is, is really creepy. Um, Ian returns and says there's no way, uh, no other way in. And turns out the key is in the statue's head. And the statue's arms move, like I said earlier, that they are actual people's arms sticking through. Like they're not even like the right size. So like the, the sleeves of the, the arms of the actual statue on the wall end and then there's like a probably about a five inch gap between where the arms (laughs) come out of the end Uh, and they they pretty much grab barbara's bum yeah i mean they couldn't really see where they were grabbing those so we'll we'll let them off um so yeah he grabs her and the wall spins round and steals barbara away so now they've got to rescue barbara 
So they realise that Barbara could have used her travel dial to escape whenever she wanted to, but they don't know she's actually thought about it. So the statue spins back round, and we we literally see its arms pop through to <laughs> So it's like it spins around with no arms, and all of a sudden the arms just pop right out. Because it'll be, I assume what's happening is it's the uh, person spinning it round yeah. is the person whose arms are in it, and they can't obviously be on the other side, because uh-huh. you'll see. So they have to spin it round and then stick the ropes in afterwards. <sighs> but Jim, I either, maybe it's intentional. I don't yeah. know. Um, anyway, they realise that the key that Barbara's found is fake. Oh, typical. Fake. It's a it's a bootleg key. And uh, Ian plots to go and find uh, to find her. Uh, he sends the daughter, Sabitha, uh, uh, on her way to find to meet the others. Then goes to uh, go and uh, get himself captured by the statue. Uh, on the other side, he finds himself confronted with a knight holding an axe, uh, and it's a statue, but he seem, uh, as he steps on a pressure plate, it kind of makes a swing with the axe, and Barbara manages to scream in time for him to, to move out the way so he doesn't get uh, chopped in two, or cleft in twain, isn't it? What they say. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she says the entire place has a big booby trap, and uh, they head off together to find the actual key. At last. So Ian tries to break a door down and then the vines start growing again. And then we cut to a random monk man and he opens the door from the other side. So Barbara goes in and Ian says he's right behind her, but we know he absolutely won't be. (laughs) Then a rope drops on Barbara and she falls down. So there's like a big spiked ceiling and it just starts coming down on her. And then Ian's trapped when a metal gate corners him and just as Barbara's about to die the ceiling kind of goes back up and the monk comes in and then she tells him that she was sent by Arbitan and tries to prove it with the travel dial and then the monk says that he can check the journey because only Arbitan would have set the entire journey cycle and at this point we're like he's clearly been stuck there and he just wants to nick it to escape and then leave them the sly git Mm, (laughs) that's what I thought I say don't do it don't do it Barbara Um, anyway suddenly he's been strangled by vines (laughs) <laughs> no apparent reason just, why just, just decided to kill him uh, Barbara and Ian however managed to save him but uh, sadly it, the damage is done the monk is dying uh, even though he was fine just a minute ago so there must be some pretty strong vines yeah uh, do it for the vine <laughs> 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 I haven't heard that in a long time. Uh, anyway, he leaves them. <laughs> he leaves them with a strange message and tells them uh, the whispering will start and the darkness is coming. Apparently, they're in Silent Hill now. Um, and then he does a Master Yoda and just uh, dies in bed. But his eyes are open, which is creepy. Yeah. Um, anyway, they explore the house uh, and they come to a room which is full of flowers. And uh, they use the monk's dying message to try and open the safe. Something about the look for the code or the code. Give him a code of. I don't know how Ian remembered to. N H O two or something. I can't. Well, I can't remember what it was. It was a random N-3-0-2, string. N three O two. Something. It was something weird. It was numbers and letters and numbers. letters and numbers. Yeah. Uh, but they realised that the uh, code wasn't a number lock, and because there was there's a safe in there, they tried to open. It was actually a chemical compound, and there's loads of different jars with different chemicals in, uh, and they find the right one. Uh, but as they're about, to, well, as they're trying to find it, the vines start coming in through the walls and <laughs> try and grab Barbara. And there's this really awkward shot of their feet, and it takes ages of Ian trying to mm. unhook Barbara's legs from these yes. vines. Uh, and eventually, <laughs> they manage to use the uh, they use the um, travel dial, the travel dial. But they also use the compound, which I think helps to to stop the, oh, the vines compound, from the, bro- the, yeah. yeah, and the key was inside yes. it. 
That was where the key was hidden. And then all of a sudden, they've escaped and they're in a freezing place. But the music is really operatic and quite new who. I yeah, quite like that. it feels a bit like Amy's, uh, not Amy's. Um, a bit like Doomsday. Rose, Ro- yeah, Doomsday, like the one with Rose and stuff. Mm. Um, so we're on to the fourth episode. We're halfway through now. We've just passed the halfway point. Episode four, The Snows of Terror. And uh, Barbara is passed out in the snow. Ian collapses next to her as the lovely music plays over. Uh, but Barbara pulls herself together and wakes up before passing out again uh, when she sees this very scary man who looks a bit like Hagrid. Yeah. Anyway, we cut to his house. He's rescued Barbara and Ian. Uh, and the man, we learn, is called uh, Vassor. Vassor. Vassor, yeah. Vassor. So. Uh, and he rubs Barbara's hands in a very sensual manner. Yeah. It's really <laughs> creepy. It's really sinister. So he leaves and Barbara wakes Ian up very quickly. So they try to work out where they are. And then Vassor mentions that a stranger was here to help him carry Barbara and Ian back to his hut. They realise that was Altos. Um, they need... Is it Altos or Artos? I can't remember. We've we been calling him Altos. We've been calling him Altos. I think it is Altos. His name's written Altos in the script more often than Artos. Yes. I'm going to go with Altos. Altos. The not-so-spooky twink yes. now that he in can his, blink. In his underwear. Yeah, with his legs out. And they need furs to go up the mountain, but they have no money to pay him. So Ian gives him his travel dial and then leaves and Barbara stay behind. Yes, Ian finally finds Altos, but he's unconscious in the snow. With no his, wonder, because his, he's well, got his yeah, legs out. And his legs out with his, just his little underwear on show. <laughs> and meanwhile, back at the hood, Barbara finds it, uh, has finds uh, Sabitha's belongings uh, in a drawer on the, the table that she's on. And the man says that he took them as payment, but it still feels a and bit There's loads weird. of travel dials in there as well, which yeah. is a bit sinister. So it suggests he's done this to a lot of people. Mm. Anyway, back to Altos and Ian, and Ian is stroking Altos's leg. A little yeah. bit too high up as well. Yeah, just just like that <laughs> other guy was doing to Barbara's hands, really. Yeah. Um, apparently, they're too cold to move. Uh, it is, it's meant to get the blood flowing. It's a little help. bit homoerotic. Mm. Uh, we're not complaining. Anyway, we jump back to the hut, and uh, uh, Vassor is trying to attack Barbara. Uh, but just in time, Ian and Altos return. Uh, Barbara tells... Um, tells uh, the Ian. tells Ian and Altos, sorry, that Susan and Sabitha are in a cave. This is what this creepy guy, I can't remember, uh, Vassar's tool about mm-hmm. um, earlier. And uh, they say that Vassar's going to have to help show them where to go because I think Altos just wants to kill him for what he's done. Mm. Uh, and Ian's like, no, he's going to help us find the cave. Yeah, so then Susan... We cut to Susan and Sabitha as they try to go through the tunnels of this cave, but they get lost and decide to go back. And then finally, Barbara, Ian, Altos and Vassar arrive and do their best to find them in the tunnel. So they finally meet at this rickety bridge and then Vassar is scared and doesn't want to leave. So once they're all over, everyone except him, he rips the other side of the bridge and leaves them, just, just laughing as he goes. Panto, evil villain He's laugh. horrible, man. And then... Yeah, he just doesn't really have any motivation. He's just a dick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's literally all there is to him. Anyway, they head through the caves and they find uh, this this opening in a cave where there's this creepy knight standing there, uh, apparently seemingly one of Vassar's demons uh, that he was on about earlier. And there's a block of ice with one of the keys in the middle. Uh, and there's a pipe running around the room uh, and with the block of ice and Barbara finds a valve, realising that there's a hot spring nearby and... They can turn that on and help melt the ice. So it, it makes sense. So Ian and 
the twink. I'm just going to call him that because I keep forgetting his name. <laughs> uh, they've tied these big icicles. Altos. Altos. And they've tied these big icicles together, then pushed them back over the gap to try and make a bridge so they can return. Uh, meanwhile, the ice has melted. And the bodies that were surrounding the place as well have unfrozen, but they've returned to life somehow. So Susan screams, ah, but I mean, this time it's understandable. Yeah, we'll let her off. We'll let her off this time. And then the the creepy zombies are kind of edging towards them and they all run off. So Ian fights them off as best he can. Good old Ian saving the day again. And then Susan is the first to go across this makeshift bridge of icicles. But one of them snaps and she keeps a cool for the first time ever (laughs) and manages to get across the bridge. And then Ian kind of tries to block the way, but the zombies keep on bursting right through. And then thankfully everybody gets across and then they drop the bridge back down the trap because when Susan had got across, she'd managed to pick the bridge back up, hadn't she? And get it so that the bridge was fixed so everyone else could could get across. Anyway, they all get back to the hut. Uh, and Basso is there obviously going, no, you're all alive. He wasn't expecting them to be alive. And uh, then he runs outside, uh, re- really camp again, really weird. Uh, and then he runs back in because he realises the zombie night. So we're all after uh, chasing towards the hut as well. Uh, and he takes Susan prisoner and threatens to kill her if the others leave. The knights bang on the door and uh, Vaso is uh, stabbed in the back. Yeah, and that's that's that that's part. the end of him. They all get the time dials back, and um, they use them to escape. And Ian appears in a room with a dead body on the floor, dum, dum, um, dum. who's been attacked by somebody. And a mysterious figure uh, hits Ian on the head uh, with like a mace, knocks him out, and uh, then um, reaches for what looks to be another key in a um, like a glass case, and triggers an alarm. And then before leaving. Puts the mace in Ian's hand. He's being framed. Hashtag drama. Drama llama. I know, right? Then episode five begins here, which is the sentence of death. So Ian comes round and he's a bit confused by what's happening. And then this man demands that Ian tells him what happened. So he explains that he found the body and investigated, but then he was attacked. Um, Nobody believes him. Yeah, because it's a high security vault. So how did he even get in? Mm-hmm. Um, so they believe that he's tricked a guard or was in league with the dead guard. So he's whatever happens, he's in trouble. So he discovers that he's going to be charged with murder and then demands that the doctor represents him. But permission is given to Barbara to go to the court to see the trial with the others. And nobody can find the doctor, though. And then he just suddenly kind of walks in. It's like, <laughs> I'm here at the right time kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, at the court case, three judges come in and instantly charge Ian with murder and sentence him to death. And uh, they do ask for the opportunity uh, for someone to defend Ian. Uh, so the doctor gets up and says, I shall do it. Hmm? 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 And, and you know what the worst thing is? Hmm? Anyway, <laughs> uh, the doctor does say, however, they need time to gather and examine the evidence, uh, and they're given two days, which is, I suppose, enough time in the world of television. Uh, the doctor had found uh, Ibrim on his adventures, uh, but sadly, he was killed. Uh, what can I do, Grandfather, says Susan. I don't know. Stay out of the way. <laughs> Stop bloody screaming. <laughs> Might be a start. They didn't say that. That's, yeah. that's us. Uh, that's what we were that's thinking. Our thoughts. Um, anyway, the interrogator shows up. Um, shows everybody the murder scene and uh, is, he's adamant that Ian is the murderer uh, but nobody else uh, believes that they're all unsure uh, and there's a lot of hmm hmm going on uh, and the doctor thinks he's figured out who the murderer is already and he comes down to suspecting Aiden 
uh, who is one of the gods. Gods? Gods. Gods, yes. Gods. So he gets everyone role-playing and acting out the murder scene, and he absolutely nails the scenario and comes to the same conclusion as us. Yes, but mm, it, yes. it can't be proven right now. Yeah. So Barbara and Susan go to see Aiden's wife and ask why someone would want the key. Um, then Taron returns home he's one of the other guards and he's fuming that the ladies have been asking questions in his home and almost gives away that he stole the key and then as he throws them out it's really quite dark because we hear him like literally beating his wife once the door's closed mm. so the doctor calls sabitha as a witness when we go back to the courtroom and she shows off the key so Aiden snaps and confesses, um, but he's killed on the spot. Yeah, he shot or something, but they don't, again, we don't, don't know really who see by. what happens. And then it turns out the doctor tricked him into confessing because they'd only shown one of their other keys, but it proved Ian's innocence. Mm. But there's still some sp suspicion, obviously, since Aiden's killer is missing and they would have been his obvious accomplice. So the judges decide that Aiden's death doesn't change a thing because as he died, he was like, they made me do it. And... Like, that was his last dying words. So they assume Ian is there. Mm. So Ian's still in trouble. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> like forced into doing something yeah. he didn't want to do. And then we get a random moment to end the episode. Yeah, Susan calls Barbara. Um, and uh, she says, hello, is that Barbara? Um, what's her surname again? Right. Is that is that Miss Wright? Is that Miss Wright? Something like that. And they go, um, they made her call and they're going to kill her. And then hangs up. And that's yeah. it. On to uh, episode six. So the final episode it, it picks up, obviously, at that spot. Barbara comes up with an idea, and they want to speak to Aiden's wife, who is called Carla, as they think the people who kid killed him kidnapped Susan. Uh, and she's not very helpful and starts to cry. She's very emotional, which you would imagine if your husband mm -hmm. had died. Uh, and they go to leave, and Barbara apologizes. She's really sincere, really sweet moment where Barbara's just like, I'm really sorry, and she yeah. that she's a nice person. Uh, and as they leave, she's she's like. <laughs> it's like that woman on that scam ad being scammed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's creepy. just like that. Uh, so she opens up a cupboard and Susan is there tied to a chair. That was a rhyme. Didn't yeah. mean to. So Aiden's wife then gets a call and it sounds like she's going to be found. Ian's going to be found guilty. And so Susan's no longer useful. So she can be killed off. If only. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway Barbara, Altos and Sabitha are talking in the corridor and Sabitha says something about um, how she was she mentioned them talking to Susan and Barbara realises that she wouldn't know mm -hmm. unless she has Susan cue Altos saying this iconic line come on we're going back <laughs> so camp I love him come on we're, we're going, going back, back. <laughs> that's going to be that should be our thing for every time we have to go back to talk about something previously <laughs> come on we're going back anyway uh, we cut back to Carla and Susan and she's obviously talking about her friends are so stupid and or being evil you know like the typical evil villain of mm. like revealing all of the plans to the to the captive uh, when uh, you can see in the background Barbara and Altos and uh, Sabitha sneaking up on uh on it and uh all of a sudden there's this really over the top camp subdue moment where they capture her and say oh, <laughs> it's so funny um so that's uh that's sorted that part and uh they obviously um sort of take her to the 
the authorities to uh, confess what's been going on. Yeah. So we go back to the courtroom and the doctor is being consoled for his loss of the case. And then we see the murder weapon being brought in and locked in a cabinet. The doctor's asked to leave, but resists saying that he needs to get new evidence. Then Barbara calls the court and explains that Carla killed Aiden. Mm -hmm. So Carla names her accomplices and says that Aiden, um, Ian even, is that man. But they need positive proof to completely disprove of this. Yeah, so um, she, she's basically saying she's been involved, but saying it was Ian still behind it. Yeah. Which isn't fair. Anyway, they, so they need the proof to show that Ian has nothing to do with it, and the Doctor has a moment where he realises what could be done. And it's very doctory. I think it's a yeah. really doctor. You know, like the Doctor going, I have got a great idea. It's the most energised, I think, we've seen the doc- this this incarnation of the Doctor mm. today as well. He's seeming a lot, getting a lot more happy. Like, Yeah, he's settling into the role a bit mm. more, I think. I think Hartnell's starting to get it. But we get uh, some lovely laughs from Hartnell. <laughs> <laughs> he's loving it, isn't he? Because uh, the Doctor has realised that he can in- intercept the culprits as they try to receive the murder weapon uh, so they can make a trap to catch him. And uh, the key ends up being hidden inside of the mace. They obviously subdue whoever's trying to get the uh, the mace, find out who it really was. And it was, um, I think it was the other... Taron. It was Taron, wasn't it? Who was think the, so, yeah. was the actual murderer. Um, so, yes, they all end up being freed because the case is closed. Ian's free and Susan is very, very happy about it. <laughs> it makes a difference from... Ah! <laughs> But yeah, it was as a lot of like two complete opposites, and it reminds me a bit of uh, you know, um, poor young Anakin Skywalker when he's yeah. yippee. <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly just so much going on in this episode. I was so confused because there's a lot happening. You'd think that was kind of the end, but obviously we've still got to sort things out with the keys. Yeah, so they they go back to the consciousness of Marinus, and Arbitan is dead, which they didn't know because he died after they went. Um, and they've, the Vord have Altos as prisoner. Sabitha is brought in and acts like she doesn't care for him. She's, she, she's pretending that she yeah. just doesn't know who he is. Yeah, because they're like together, aren't they, I think? And I think then, there's, some emotion, some, there's some feelings there. Yeah. It's um, a new thing. The Vord we're, don't we're, believe we're, it. We're, we're working out what it is. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they mention at some point that they're together, but I can't remember. Um, anyway, as they go to stab him, she reacts and they want to know where the final key is. So Altos says that the Doctor has the key. Um, so yeah, there's something where I can't remember what happened, but they were like something, something about, about a lot, a lot of, of scared, scared chickens. chickens. I can't remember what <laughs> that was so about. So we couldn't find the clip either. It was, we didn't have time to try and find it. Um, but yeah, the team are in good spirits and are heading to return the keys, but the Vord have added four keys to the conscious of Marinus already. And they just need that one more. Mm. So Ian and Susan find who they think it's Arbitan. Susan isn't sure, but oh, yeah. it's well, just it's, the Vord in disguise. Yeah, it's clear. I mean, clearly anyone with a brain would see that the, yeah, it's, it's a weird creature underneath <laughs> this white hood, <laughs> but uh, this is TV and you don't always get to see that sort of thing. Uh, so they, they this Vord, um, sort of tricks them. Well, we see, we think they're tri- they've tricked them. Mm. Uh, cause Susan's a bit, Susan's quite unsure. I think. And Ian's just like, wait, we hang on one way around. I think one of them one of them was quite uh, unsure. Was it Ian or was it Susan? I can't remember. Ian, because Ian's Ian wasn't them the sure fake. of them, and Susan was just like, "Let's give them what they need." Yeah, and fix it. Um, 
But we, uh, I think we worked out that there was a conversation about what happens if we give them um, the wrong keys and then yeah. it would blow up the system. And what has what has Ian done? Given Ian has the given fake. them the fake key from earlier. Uh, so they know that they've got very little time to get out of the building before uh, they finish the, the insertion of the keys, mm. which would obviously cause the explosion. So they're on their way out, running around, running around, and then we cl- cut to the... Uh, the consciousness of the conscious of uh, of Marinus. Marinus and these Vord put in that last key, and then this bright light just goes boom when the building starts to shake. Uh, but they all manage to escape. It's all right. It's fine. Phew. So yeah, at the end, the Doctor wishes Sabitha well, and Altos and Sabitha are going to head back to Millennius, which is where the court case had taken part. Um, Barbara has become fond of the two of them and says that she'll actually miss them. Mm -hmm. And we have a really funny moment where the doctor calls Susan to hurry up and get in the TARDIS. Yes. Well, Susan's just chatting to Altos and Sabitha and uh, they obviously need to get her out of this, the way so the conversation with Barbara and Ian can take place. Mm. So we hear this. Susan. 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 From the background. And that's pretty much the end of The Keys of Marinus. It is. That's that. Uh, again, really enjoyed it. I, I, there's bits that I forgot about. that Because uh, I, I, a couple of times they did drop in and out. Some of the courtroom bits got a bit long. Yeah. But the whole actual serial was a lot quicker in pace. Uh, it felt a bit more New Who, which is weird considering it was the first season ever of Doctor Who. Um, yeah, but it was enjoyable. The, it, it had the right sort of thing going on. Um so, I, I, yes, I like that one. So far, it's my favourite one. Same. But let's next see time. if uh, that changes when we watch the next episode. And that's going to be the Aztecs, which starts with an episode called The Temple of Evil. Mm. So that sounds quite fun. Uh, thank you very much for listening. I know it's been a long one, but we uh, had a lot to talk about on this one. Uh, we would love it if you've uh, enjoyed it. Obviously, give us a follow and subscribe to the uh podcasts so you know when the next episode comes out obviously we're trying to do them nearly every week to the to the day but it at least once a week yeah it might be a different birthdays day. held us up this week birthday this week yeah um you can find us on social media at that so gallifrey you can also find us under the geeky gaze as well and simon and i bring you uh, a show on a radio station called Glitterbeam radio every sunday from two two hours of geeky goodness with some great music thrown in for good measure Lots of news and things about Star Wars, Doctor Who, video games, etc. We will speak to you next week with the Aztecs.